Harry Potter and Sorcerer's Stone by J.K. Rowling Chapter 5 Today are gone alley. Harry woke early the next morning. Although he could tell it was daylight, he kept his eyes shut tight. It was a dream, he told himself firmly. A dream the giant called Hagrid. Hagrid came to tell me I was going to school for wizards. When I opened my eyes, I'd be at home in my cupboard. There was suddenly a loud tapping noise. There, Aunt Petulia knocking at the door. Harry thought his heart sinking. He still, didn't, he still didn't open his eyes. It had been such a good dream. Tap, tap. All right, Harold mum, Harry mumbled. I'm getting up. He sat up and Hagrid's heavy coat fell off him. The hut was full of sunlight. The storm was over. Hagrid himself was asleep. A collapsed sofa. There was an owl wrapping its claw on the window. The newspaper held on its beak. His beak. Harry scrambled to his feet. So happy he felt as though a large balloon was swelling inside him. He went straight to the window and jerked it open. The owl swooped in and dropped the newspaper to the top of Hagrid, who didn't wake up. The owl then fluttered onto the floor and began to attack Hagrid's coat. Don't do that. Harry tried to wave the owl out of the way. He snapped its beak fiercely at him and carried on savaging the coat. Hagrid, said Harry loudly. There's an owl. Pay him. Hagrid grunted into the sofa. What? You weren't paying for delivering the paper. Look in the pockets. Hagrid's coat seemed to be made of nothing but pockets, bunches of keys, lug pellets, balls of string, peppermint humbugs, tea bags. Finally, Harry pulled out a handful of strange-looking coins. Give him five nut canuts, said Hagrid sleepily. Canuts? Little brown ones. Little bronze ones. Harry counted out five little... Little bronze coins. They all held at his legs so Harry could put the money into a small leather pouch inside to it. He flew off through the open window. Hagrid yawned loudly, sat up and stretched. Be off. Let's be off, Harry. Lots to do today. Gotta to get to London and buy all your stuff for your school. Harry was turning over the wizard coins and looking at them. He was just as full something that made him feel that the happy balloon inside had him got a, inside him had got a punch oh Hagrid um said Hagrid who was putting on his huge coat boots I haven't got any money you heard Uncle Vernon last night he won't pay for me to go and learn magic don't you worry about that said Hagrid standing up and scratching his head do you think your parents wouldn't leave you enough for anything but their house was destroyed they don't keep their golden house. Boy, now first stop for years is Grigonot, Scots, Wizard Bank. Have a sausage. They're not bad, cold. I wouldn't say no to a bit of your birthday cake either. Wizards have banks. Just the one, Grigonot's, run by goblins. Harry dropped his bit of sausage he was holding. Goblins? Yeah, so you'd be mad to try and rob, em, rob it. I tell you that. Never miss with the goblins. Harry Goodlots is the safest place in the world for anything you want to keep safe, except maybe Hogwarts. As a matter of fact, I've got to visit Goodlots anyway for Dumbledore. Hogwarts business. Hagrid drew himself up proudly. He usually gets me to do important stuff for him, fetching in, getting things for Goodlots. 
Those you can trust me, see? Got everything? Come on, then. Harry followed Hagrid out into the rock. The sky was very clear now, and the sky gleamed into the sunlight. In the sunlight. Uh, boat Uncle Vernon Hyde was still there, but with a lot of water in the bottom, under the storm. How did you get... How did you get... You get here? Harry asked, looking round for the other boat. Flu, said Hagrid. Flu? Yeah, but we'll go back in this. Not supposed to use magic now, I've got you. I settled back down in the boat. Harry's still staring at Hagrid, trying to imagine him flying. Seems a shame to row, though, said Hagrid, giving Harry another his sideways looks. If I were to, was to uh, speed things up a bit, would you mind not mentioning it? Hagwaltz? No, of course not, said Harry, eager to see some magic. Hagrid pulled out the pink umbrella, again tapped it twice on the side of the boat, and it sped off towards land. Why would you be mad to try and rob Grigonauts? Harry asked. Bell's enchantment, said Hagrid. If I followed the newspaper as he spoke. They say there's dragons guarding high security vaults. Then you've got, you've got to find your way. Grigonauts is a hundred miles of... It's hundreds of miles on London, see? Deep one on the underground. You die of hunger trying to get out. Even if you did manage to get your hands on a summer pot. Harry sat in the foot. But it is while Hagrid read his newspaper, The Daily Prophet. Harry had learned from Uncle Vernon that people liked to be left alone while he did this. But it was difficult, very difficult. He never had so many questions in his life. Ministry of Magic, messing things up as usual, Hagrid muttered, turning the page. Is the Ministry of Magic? Harry asked, before he could stop himself. Of course, said Hagrid. They wanted to bring him more for my minister. Of course, he'd never leave Hallogorts. And so old Crumbless Fudge got the job. Bungler, if ever there was one. But the more outs in morning asking for advice. What does the Minister of Magic do? Well, their main job is to keep them from muggles, as they're still measures and which is the wizards up and down the country. Why? Why blimey, Harry? Everyone will be wanting magic solutions to their problems. Now we're best left alone. At this moment, the boat bumped gently into the harbour wall. Hagrid folded up his newspaper. They clambered up, up the stone to steps into the street. Poser stared at Hagrid as he walked from the little town to the station. Harry couldn't blame him. Not only was Hagrid twice as tall as anyone else, he kept pointing to perfectly ordinary things like parking meters, shouting loudly. See that, Harry? Things as well dream up, huh? Hagrid said, Henry, said Harry, panting a bit as he tried to ran to keep up. Do you say there are dragons, Grigolots? Well, do they say? Say they do. So they say, said Hagrid. Quirky, I like a dragon. You like one? Wanted one ever since I was a kid. Here we go. He reached the station. There was a train to London. Five minutes time. Hagrid, who didn't understand muggle money, as he called it, gave the bills to Harry so he could buy their tickets. People stared more than ever on the train. Hagrid looked up, took up two seats, sat knitting, was will look like a canary yellow circus tent. Still, got your letter, Harry? He asked as he counted stitches. Harry took the parchment envelope out of his pocket. Good, said Harry. Hagrid, there's a list there of everything you need. Harry unfolded a second piece of paper. He didn't notice the night before and read. Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Uniform, first year students. Require three sets of plain work robes, black. One plain pointed hat, black. For day wear. Three, one pair of protected gloves, dragon hide or similar. 
Four, one winter coat, black, silver fastenings. Please note that all people's clothing should carry name tags. Course book, books. All students should have a copy of each of the following. The standard book of spells, grade one, by Randa Gosalk. A history of magic by Bas Hinder Bagshot. Magical theory by Albert Waffling. A Beginning's Guide to Transformation by Emmerich Switch. 1,000 Magical Herbs and Fungi for Villalinda Spore. Magical dra Drafts and Potions by Cinderous Jigger. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them by Newt Stegamenter. The Dark Forces of Guide Self-Protection by Quentin Trimble. Our equipment wand, one cauldron, pilter, size twi standard size two, one set glass or crystal pillar, fowls, one telescope, one set grass scale. Students may also bring an owl or a cat or a toad. Parents are reminded first year students are not allowed to own broomsticks. Can we buy all this in London? Hungary wondered. Allowed if you know where to go, said Hagrid. Harry had never been to London before, though Hagrid seemed to know where he was going. He was not used to getting there in only way. He got stuck in a traffic ticket barrier, lay on the ground and complained loudly. Seats were too small and trains too slow. Do you know how the muggles vanished without magic? He said as they climbed and broke down the escalier. They led up to a bustling road lined with shops. Harry Hagrid was so huge he parted the crowd easily. All Harry had to do was keep close behind him. They passed every bookshops and music stores, hamburger restaurants and cinemas, but nowhere that looked as if it could sell like, sell you a magic wand. This was an ordinary street full of ordinary people. Could they really be piles of wizard gold buried in miles beneath them? Were there really shops that sold spell books and broomsticks? Might this all not be some huge joke that Dudley's had cooked up? If Harry hadn't known what Dudley's no sense of humour, he might have thought so. Yet somehow, even though everything Hagrid had told him was so far as unbelievable, Harry couldn't be helped trusting him. This is it, he said. This is it, this is it said Hagrid. Came to halt. The leaky cauldron. It's a famous place. There's a tiny, grubby-looking pub. Hagrid hadn't pointed it out. Harry would have noticed it there. The people hurrying by didn't glance at it. Their eyes slid from the big bookshop to the other side of the record shop. The other side, they couldn't see the leaky corner at all. In fact, Harry, most secure feeling that only he and Hagrid could see it, for he could mention this. Hagrid had steered him inside. For a famous place, it's very dark and shabby. Few old women were sitting in a corner drinking tiny glasses of sherry. One of them was smoking a long pipe. A little man in a top hat was talking to an old bartender who was quite bald and looked like a toothless walnut. Low buzz of chatter stopped. They walked in. Everyone seemed to know Hagrid. They waved and smiled at him. Bartender reached for a glass, saying, You should, Hagrid? Can't, Tom. On Hagrid's business, said Hagrid. Clapping his great hand on Harry's shoulder, making Harry's nails 
knees buckle. Great Lord, said the bartender, appearing Harry. Is this, can this be? Leaky Cormoran, suddenly gone completely still and silent. Bless my soul, whispered the old bartender. Bless, whispered the old bartender. Harry Potter, what an honour. Hurried out from behind the bar, rushed towards Harry and seized his hand, tears in his eyes. Welcome back, Mr. Potter. Welcome back. Harry didn't know what to say. Everyone was looking at him. The old woman with a pipe was puffing on it without realising it had gone out. Hagrid was beaming. There was a great scraping of chairs. The next moment, Harry found himself shaking hands with Evan Lincoln Cauldron, Doris Crockford, Miss Potter. Couldn't believe I'm happy you beat him at last. So proud, Mr. Potter. I was just so proud. I always wanted him to shake your hand. I'm all, I'm all of a flutter. Delighted, Mr. Potter. Can't tell you Dingle's the name. Diggleless, Diggleless Dingle. Diggle had been to you before, said Harry, as Dingleless Dingle, top hat fell off. Excitement. You bowed to me once in the shop. He remembers, cried Diggleless Digby. Dingle, look around everyone. Did you hear that? He remembers me. Harry shook hands again and again. Doris Crockford come, kept coming back for more. The young man made his way forward very nervously, one of his eyes twitching. Professor Quinwell, said Harry, Professor Quinwell, be one of your teachers at Hogwarts. Potter, said Professor Quinwell, grasping Potter's hand. Can't tell you how pleased I am to meet you. What sort of magic do you teach, Professor Quinwell? The defence against the the dark axe by the Professor Cowell, as though he thought nothing of it about it. Not that you need it, Potter, he laughed nervously. You'll be getting all your equipment, I suppose. I've got to pick up a new book, Vampire, myself. You're terrified at that very fault. The others wouldn't let Professor Cowell kick Harry to himself. It almost took ten minutes to get away from them all. At last, Hagrid managed to make himself heard over the babble. Must get on, lots to buy. Come on, Harry. Doris Crockford shook Harry's hand. One last time, Hagrid led them to the bar out of a small wall courtyard. There was nothing but a trash can and a few weeds. Hagrid grinned at Harry. Told you I wouldn't deny. Told you he was famous. Even Professor Crowell, the trembling that he met you. Mind you, he usually trembling. Are you always that nervous? Oh yeah, Professor Pobloke, brilliant mind. He's flying while he's studying out books. He took a year off to get some first-hand experience. He's, they say he met sort of vampires in Black Forest. Nasty bit of trouble with a pack. Never been the same since. Scared of the students, scared of his own subject. He, now, where's the me umbrella? Vampires, hackers, Harry's head was swimming. Hagrid, meanwhile, was counting bricks in the wall above the tram can. Free up, two across, he muttered. Right, down, stand back. Harry tapped the foil three times, pointing at the umbrella. The brick he touched quivered, it winked. In the middle, a small hole appeared, grew wider and wider. A second later, they were facing an archway large enough, even for Hagrid, an archway into a cold street, twisted and turned out of sight. Welcome, said Hagrid, Jangling Alley. He grinned at Alley's amazement. They stepped through the archway. Harry looked quickly over his shoulder, saw the archway shrink instantly back into the wall, solid wall, into solid wall. 
The sun shone brightly in a stack of cauldrons. Outside the nearest shop, cauldrons, all sizes, copper, brass, pewter, sweet, silver, self-stirring, collapsible, even a high-end hangover. Yeah, you'll be needing one, said Hagrid. But you've got to get your money first. Harry wished he'd had about eight more eyes. He turned his head in every direction. So he walked up the street, trying to look at everything at once. The shops, the things outside them, people doing the shopping, a plump woman inside. So now, a puff of sea was shaking her head, and they passed, saying, drag a liver, 16 shekels an ounce. They're mad. A low, soft hooting came from a dark shop, the sign saying, I lops our aquarium. Tawny, screech, barn, brown, snowy, several boys. About Harry's age had their noses pressed against a window, boom six in it. Look, Harry heard one of them say, the two, two, Tim Limbus 2000, passing over. There were shots selling rows, shops selling telescopes, strange silver instruments Harry had never seen before. Windows stacked with barrels of bat spleens, eels, eyes, tottering pearls, spell books, quills and rolls of parchment, potion bottles, gobbles and gobbles of the moon. Gugungots, said Harry Hagrid. They reached a snowy white building, a towered over the other little shops. Standing beside burnished bronze doors, wearing a uniform of scarlet and gold, was, yeah, that's a goblin, <coughs> said Harry quietly. So he walked up the white steps towards him. The goblin was about a uh, shorter than Harry. His swavy, clever face, smart, smarmy, clever face, a pony beard. And Harry knows he's a very long fingers and feet. He bowed as he walked aside. Side, facing a second pair of doors, laying in silver this time, with words engraved upon them. Enter, stranger, then take heed of what awaits the sin of greed. Those who take, but do not earn, as pay most dearly in their turn. So if you seek beneath our floors a treasure that is never yours, thief, you've been warned, beware, for finding more than treasure there. Like I said, You'd be mad to rob it, said Hagrid. A pair of goblins bowed, bowed them through the do- silver doors. They were in a vast, and they were in a vast marble hall. About a hundred more goblins were sitting on the high stools on a long counter, scribbling large, large ledgers, weighing coins and brass scales, resembling precious stones for eyeglasses. There were so many doors to count, leading off the hall, yet more goblins were showing. People in and out there, these. Harry, Grid, and Harry made the counter. Morning, said Hagrid, the free goblin. We come for take some money out. Mr. Harry Potter's safe. Are oh, you have the key, sir? Got it in here somewhere, Hagrid. He started looting his pockets out of him up to the counter. Carrying a handful of mouldy dog biscuits out of the goblin's book of numbers. Goblin got his nose. Harry watched the goblin on the right, weighing a pile of rubies as they big as of glowing coals. Got it, said Hagrid, at last, holding up a tiny golden key. The goblin looked at it closely. It seemed to be in order. I have also got a letter here from Preston Dumbermore, said Hagrid, importantly throwing it out, out in his chest. It's about you-know-what. In a vault, 713. Goblin read the letter carefully. Very well, he said, handbook. Handing it back to Hagrid. I will have someone take you down to both vaults, grip hook. Quick up was yet another goblin. Once Hagrid had climbed 
ground all the dog biscuits, baggage on his pockets, he and Harry followed Grimpock towards one of the doors leading to off the hall. What's the you know what in the vault? Seven hundred and thirteen, Harry asked. Can't tell you that you that, said Grim mysteriously. Very secret Hogwarts business. Dunmore's trusted me. Well me me Jodworth to tell you what you want that. Grimpock held the door open for one for him, Harry. Expected more marble with a surprise. Now his stone pressway lit and took flaming torches. It sloped steeply downward with little railway tracks on the floor. Great Hook whistled and seeing a small cart came hurling up the tracks towards them. They climbed in Hagrid with um difficulty and off and were off. At first, he just huddled through a maze of twisting passages. Harry tried to remember first, right, right, left, middle, folk, left, right, left, but it was impossible. Rattling cart seemed to know its own way, because Quiphook wasn't steering. Harry's eyes stung at the cold air, rushed past them. He kept them wide open. Once he thought he saw a burst of fire at the end of the passage and twisted around to see it was a dragon, but too late. Plunged even deeper, passing an underground lake where huge stagolites and stagomites grew from the ceiling floor. I never know, Harry cried to Hagrid over the noise of the cot. What's the difference between a stagomite and a stagolite? What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its opera ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com. Right. Stagamite Nights got an M in it, said Hagrid. Don't ask me questions just now. I've got a, I'm gonna think I'm gonna be sick. He did. He looked very. Did look very green. Cot stopped at last beside a small door in the passage. While well, Hagrid got out, had to lean on against the wall to stop his knees from trembling. Great Pot unlocked the door. A green, not a green smoke came bellying out as it cleared. Harry grass inside their moulds of gold coins, columns of silver, heaps of little bronze nuts. All yours, cried Hagrid. All Harry's incredible. Dunleys couldn't have known about this, or they had it from fasting and blinking. How often they complained how much Harry cost them to keep. All the time they had been a small fortune belonging to him, buried under London. Haggard Hill Harry's pile some into a bag. The gold ones are gullions, he explained. Seventeen silver stickles to a gullion, and thirty-nine canuts to a sickle. It's enough, right. That would be should be enough for a couple of terms. Keep the rest safe for you. He turned to Grimpook. Vault seven hundred and thirteen now. Please, can we go more slowly? Are you on speed? One speed only, said Grimpook. They were getting even deeper now and gathering speed. The air became colder and colder. They held around tight corners. They went rattling over an underground ravine. Harry leaned over the side to try to see what was down at the dark bottom. Hagrid groaned and pulled back him back by the scruff of his neck.
Vault 1713 had no keyhole. Stand back, said Grip, importantly. He stroked the door gently with one of his long fingers. Simply melted away. If anyone but a grown Gronot's goblin tried that, they'd be stuck through the door and trapped in there, said Grip Hook. How often do you check to see if anyone's inside? Harry asked. But about once every ten years, said Grip Hook, with rather a nasty grin. If I think very strongly, had to go inside his top security vault. Harry was sure. He leaned forward gently, staring to see established jewels, at the very least. But at first he thought it was empty. Then he noticed a grubby little passage, wrapped on a brown paper bag, lying on the floor. Harry picked it up and tucked it inside his coat. Harry picked it up and tucked it inside his coat. Harry longed to know what it was, but he knew better than ours. Come on, back to this final cart. Don't talk to me on the way back. Best if I keep my mouth shut, said Hagrid. Brown cart rode later. He stood blinking in the sunlight outside Grigonot's. Harry didn't know where to run first now. They had a bag full of money. He didn't know, have to know how many galleons there were to pound to know what he was holding. More than he ever had in his whole life. More money than Dudley ever had. May, may as well get your uniform, said Hagrid. Lay towards Madame Milkin's robes for all gauges. Listen, Harry, would you mind if I slip off uh, pick me uh, up a little leaking cauldron? I hate them Grignot's carts. He still... He, could, he did still look a bit sick, so Harry entered Madame Milkin's shop. Alone, feeling nervous, Madame Milkin was a squat, smiling witch, dressed in a move. Hogwarts, dear, she said. When Harry started to speak, got the lot here, young, no young man being fitted up, up now, in fact. In the back of the shop, a boy with pale, pointed face was standing on a footstool, while a second witch pinned his long black robe. Madam Milkin stood with Harry on a stool next to him, lit the long robe over his head, began to pin it to the right length. Hello, said the boy. Hagwood's too. Yes, said Harry. My father next door buying my books and mother's up street looking at one said the boy you bored drawling voice and i'm going to drag them off to look at the racing brooms i see what don't see why first years don't have it can't have one i think i'll bully father to getting me one i'll struggle smuggle it in somehow harry strongly was strongly reminded of dudley have you got your own broom the boy went on no said harry play quidwich or quidwich quidwich at all? No, said Harry again. Why what on earth could which what it could be? I do, Sarah Father. Says it's a crime. I not pick if I not picked to play for my house, must say agree. No, what house I'm you'll be in? Yet? No, said Harry, feeling more stupid by the minute. Well no one really knows till they get there. Do they but I know I'll be sliverling. Oh in my own my family have been. Imagine being a hunker puff. I think I'll leave, wouldn't you? Oh, said Harry, wishing he could say anything a bit more interesting. I say, look at that man, said the boy suddenly, laying towards the front window. Hagrid standing there, grinning Harry, pointing at two large ice creams they used to show. He couldn't come in. That's Hagrid, said Harry, pleased to know something the boy didn't. He works at Hogwarts. Oh, said the boy, I've heard of him. He's a sort of servant, isn't he? 
He's the gamekeeper, said Harry. He's look, liking the boys less and less every second. Exactly. I have not heard he's a sort of savage. Lives in a hut and school grounds. Every now and then he gets drunk, tries to do magic, and ends up taking fire to school. I think he's brilliant, said Harry, coldly. Coldly, do you? said the boy with a slight sneer. Why is he with you? Where are your parents? They're dead, said Harry shortly. Didn't feel much like going into the matter with this boy. Oh, sorry, said Edward. But sending, not sending at all. But they are, they are, but they were our kind, weren't they? They, they were, were a witch and a wizard, if that's what you mean. I really don't think you should let that other sort in, do you? They're just they're not the same. They not know our ways. Some of them never heard of Hogwarts till they got that, they get letter imagine. I think they should keep it to the old wizarding families, which is certainly anyway. But before Harry could answer, Mimbin Milkin said, <coughs> "As you done for, my dear." Harry and Harry, no safe excuse to stop talking to boys, hopped down from the total footstool. Well, I see you at Hogwarts, I suppose, said the drawling boy. Harry was quite quiet, rather quiet as he sat on his screen. Hagrid had brought him chocolate and raspberry and chopped nuts. What's up, said Hagrid? Nothing, said Harry lied. He stopped to buy parchment and quills. <coughs> Harry cheered up a bit when he found a bottle of ink that changed colour as he, as you wrote. When they left the shop, he said, Hagrid, what's Quidditch? Blimey, Harry. Oh, keep forgetting how little you know, not knowing about Quidditch. Don't make me feel worse, said Harry. He told Harry about a pale boy, Madame Minkins. He said people from Muggle families could, shouldn't be even allowed in. You're not from Muggle family. You know who you were. You'd grown up knowing a name. His parents were withering folk. You saw like everyone in Lincoln Gordon was like when they saw you. Anyway, Edward, what does he know about it? Some of the best I've ever known, the only ones with magic in them, in them. Long time, muggles. Look at your mum. Look at what she's got for your sister. So what is Kudwich? So spoke where's the sports like soccer muggle world everybody knows follows Godwitch Godwitch played up in the air by up in broomstings where there's four balls sort of hand and explain the rules and what are what are sivering the Hufflepuff schoolhouses what there's four everyone says Hufflepuff there's a lot of duffers but but you are in Hufflepuff said Harry gloomily but Hufflepuff is sivering said Harry and agreed doggedly. There's not a single witch or wizard who went, who went bad was a slivering. You know who was one? Father, so you know who it was, who was at Hogwarts. Years and years ago, said Hagrid. They bought Harry's school books in a shop called Flourish and Lots, where a shelf was stacked to seeing books as large as paving stones, bound in leather, books of the size of postage traps, covers of silk. Books for the particular symbols and food books with nothing in them at all. Even Dudley, who never read anything, would have been wild to get his hands on some of these. Hagrid almost had dragged Harry away for the curses and counter curses. Rich your friends have been fuddled, your enemies with the latest revenges. Hair loss, jelly legs, tongue tying, much, much more by Professor Vicarus Vendian. I was trying to find out how to curse Dudley. 
I'm not saying that's good, not a good idea. But you not to use magic in a muggle while deceptive in very special circumstances. So Hagrid, anyway, you could not work any of them curses yet. You'd got, you need a lot more study before you can get to that level. Hagrid wouldn't let Harry buy his solid gold gold ring. Either he says, Pilt Pelter, I know this. They've got a nice set of scales for weighing portion ingredients and collectible brass and telescope. Then they visited a photography. It was fascinating enough to carry up, make up for its horrible smell, mixture of bad eggs, rotten cabbages. Barrels of slimy stuff stood on the floor. Jars of herbs, cold dried roots, put powders lined the walls. Bright powders lined the walls. Bundles of feathers, strings of fangs, cut snarled. Claws hung from the ceiling. While Hagrid asked the man behind the counter to supply basic, some basic potion ingredients for Harry. Harry found himself explained silver unicorn horns, 21 gullions each, a minuscule glittery black beetle eyes, five connects a scoop. As a apocryphy, Hagrid checked Harry's list again. Got just your one left for you. So I've got you a birthday present. Harry felt himself go red. You, have, you didn't have to. I know I didn't have to. But tell you what, I'll get you an animal, not a toad nose, or I fashioned years ago. I laugh at. I don't like cats. You make, they don't. They make you seize. So get you an owl. All the kids want owls. They're dead useful. Carry your mail and everything. Twenty minutes later, they left the Iolops Owl Emporium, having dark and full of rustling and flickering, bright, jewel bright eyes. Harry now carried a large birch cage, had a beautiful snowy whale, fell asleep, a head under his wing. He couldn't stop stumbling his thanks, saying just like Prince of Cool Don't mention it, said Hagrid gruffly. Don't expect you had a lot of parent presents made with them Dudleys. Just Overlanders are left now. I place with wands, Overlanders. We are going to have the best wand. A magic wand. That's what Harry had been looking forward to. The last shot was narrow and shabby. Pinning gold letters over the door. Read Overlanders. Make us a fine wand. It's 382-8BC. Single wand lay on a faded black purple cushion. A dusty window. Twinkling bell rang somewhere in the depths of the shop. We stepped inside. It was a tiny place set for a single spindly chair that Hagrid sat on for to wait. Harry felt strangely as though he'd entered a very strict library. He swallowed a lot of new questions that had just occurred to him. He looked inside, thousands of narrow boxes piled neatly right up to the ceiling. For some reason, the back of his neck prickled. Very dust and science, and he had seen to tingle with him some secret magic. Good afternoon, said a soft voice. Harry jumped. Hagrid must have jumped too, because there was a lot of crunching. There was a loud crunching noise. He got. He got off quickly off the spinning chair. The old man standing before them, his wide pardales shining like moons, gloom and shop. Hello, said Harry awkwardly. Oh yes, said the man. Yes, I thought I'd see you, be seeing you soon, Harry Potter. It was a question. You have your mother's eyes. It seems only yesterday. He was near himself. 
Buying her first one. Ten and a quarter inches long. Squishy. Very yellow. Nice one. For charm work. We saw a Valenda. Move close to Harry. Harry wished he had, would blink. Silver eyes were a bit creepy. Your father, on the other hand, favoured a monogamy wand. Eleven inches pliable. Of a little more power. Excellent for transformation. Well, I say you were flavoured it. He is really the one that chooses the wizard, of course. Mr. Overland had come so close to that. He and Harry always from nose to nose. Harry could see himself reflected in his misty eyes. And then that's that. Oh, well, that's where, where Mr. Overland uh, touched the lightning scar on Harry's forehead with a long finger, white finger. So he say he had sold the one that did it. He said softly, 13 and a half inches long. Yeah, powerful one, very powerful. The wrong hands. Well, I know the one's going out in the world. What if well, if I know what the world, what the one was going out in the world to do? He shook his head then, head and then. Harry's leaves spotted Hagrid. Rumpacus, Rumpacus Hagrid. How nice to see you again. Oak for 16 inches. Very bendy, wasn't it? It was, sir, yes, said Hagrid. Good one, that one. I suppose they snapped it in half. You got spelled, said Mr. Hagrid. Sonny Stern. Oh, yes, they did. Yes. Oh, yes, yes, they did. Yes, said Hagrid, shuffling his feet. Still got the pieces, though, he said brightly. But you don't use them, said Mr. Orlando slightly. No, no, sir, said Hagrid quickly. Harry noticed he gripped his pink umbrella very tightly as he spoke. Hmm, said Mr. Orlando. Giving Harry a Harry piercing look. Well now, Mr. Potter, let me see. He pulled a long tape measure with silver markings in pocket. Which is your wand arm? Ah, well, I'm right-handed, said Harry. Well, that your arm, that's it. He measured Harry from shoulder to shoulder. From shoulder to finger. And wrist to elbow, shoulder to floor, knee to armpit, and round his head. As he measured, he said, every wonder's wand, core of powerful magical substance. Mr. Potter, we use unicorn hairs, phoenix tail feathers, and heart strings of dragons. Not two quindlewinder ones are the same, just as two... No, two unicorns, dragons, or phoenixes are quite the same. Of course, you'll never get get good results with our wizard's wand. Harry suddenly realised that the tape measure, which was measuring uh, between his nostrils, going doing this on his own. Mr. Orlando was flitting around the shelves, taking down boxes. That would do, he said. Tape measure crumpled in a heap on the floor. Right then, Mr. Potter, try this. Beechwood and dragon heartstring. Nine inches, nice and flexible. Just take it and give it a wave. Harry took the wand of Philly Fullish, weighed it about a bit back. Mr. Wonder snatched it out of his hand almost at once. Maple Phoenix feather, seven inches, quite wimpy. Try. Harry tried. He had hardly raised his wand. But his two was snatched back by Mr. Wonder. No, no, here, Ebony, you know, unicorn here. Eight and a half inches springy. Go on, try it out. Harry tried and tried. He had no idea what Miss Lander was waiting for. A pile of tread, tread wands about in higher and higher spindly chair. But about the more ones Mr. Wonder pulled and shelf. Happily seemed to become tricky customer, huh? Not to worry, we'll find a perfect match here somewhere. Oh, now where? Ah, now. Yes, why not? And use a combination holy 
and feeling its feather, seven, eleven inches nice and supple. Harry took the wand, he felt a sudden warmth for his fingers. He raised the wand above his head, brought it swishing down through the dusty air. A stream of red and gold sparks shot from the end. A firework, drawing delicate spots of light on the walls. Hagrid swooped and clapped. Mr. Olavenda cried, Oh, bravo, yes, indeed. Very good, well, 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 how curious. How very curious. He put Harry's wand back into the box and wrapped in bright brown paper. So imagine, curious, curious. Sorry, said Harry. But what is curious? Miss Vander fixed Harry with coils with his pale stare. I remember every wand ever sold, Mr. Butler. Every single wand happens at the Phoenix. His white tail is your wand. Gave another, gave another feather. Just one other. It's very curious indeed. You should be destined to this wand. Well, his brother, why? His brother gave you that scar. Harry swallowed. Yes, thirteen and a half inches. Yeah, curious indeed how these things happen. Uh, dra- one chooses the wizard, remember. I think we must expect great things from you, Mr. Barr. Although he must not be named. Do great things. Terrible, yes, but great. Harry shivered. He was not sure he liked Mr. Orenda too much. Paid seven gold galleons with one. And Mr. Orenda bowed them from his shop. Late afternoon, sun hung low in the skies. Harry and Hagrid made their way back to Diagon Alley. Back for the walls, back for the leaky cauldron. Now empty. Harry didn't speak at all. As they walked down the road, didn't you know how much people gawking, how many, much people gawking at them? On the underground, laden as they were, with funny-shaped packages, with snowy owls sleep in a cage, Harry's lap. Up another escalator out to the Paddington station. Harry realised where where they were when Hagrid tapped him on the soldier. Got time for a bite to eat before your train leaves, he said. He bought Harry a hamburger. He sat down on plastic seats to eat them. Harry looked kept looking round. Everyone looked everything looked so strange somehow. You're right, Harry. You're very quiet, said Hagrid. Harry didn't wasn't sure he could explain. He had just had the best part of his life, and yet he chewed his hand back up, trying to find the words. Everyone everyone, thinks so special, he said at last. All these people in the Linky Cauldron, Professor couldn't tell Mr. Olivinder, but I don't know anything about it at all. How can they expect great things? I'm famous. Don't can't remember what I'm famous for. Don't even know about what, what happened to Van, oh, Van, I mean, Van, Van, I mean, the man, I mean, the night before my parents died, Hagrid leaned across the table, behind the wild beard and eyebrows. He wore a very kind smile. Don't you worry, Harry. You learn very fast enough. Everyone starts at the beginning at Hogwarts. You'll be just fine. Just be yourself. I know it's hard. You've been singled out. It always, and that's always hard. But you had a great time at Hogwarts. I did. Still do, as a matter of, as a matter of fact. Hagrid helped Harry on a train, and it would take him back to Dudley's and hand, then hand him an envelope. To a ticket to Hogwarts, said he said. First the seventh of Vink Cross. It's all it's all on your ticket. A problems with the Dudley, send me a letter with Al and she'll know where to find me. See you soon, Harry. Train pulled out the station. Harry wanted to watch Hagrid till he was out of sight. He rose in his seat and pressed his nose against the window. But he blinked and Hagrid had gone.